Congregation, the text for this afternoon's sermon is verse 28 of Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 28. We'll read that verse again. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in this section of Acts 20, which we read together then, we're told that the Apostle Paul and his companions were on the way to Jerusalem. He was in a hurry. He wanted to get to uh, Pentecost, uh, to Jerusalem, if possible, before the day of Pentecost. Um, because he was anxious to get there uh, before Pentecost, he decided he wasn't going to stop at Ephesus and visit the church in Ephesus. Um, instead, he went to Miletus, and from there he sent for the elders of the church in Ephesus, which was uh, 45 kilometers away. Uh, the Spirit had revealed to him that this was going to be the last, uh, his last uh, journey as a free man, and so he still wanted to speak to the elders of, of, of Ephesus and encourage them in their work. He wanted to remind them of their duties as office bearers. From now on, they would be on their own. They wouldn't be able to uh, depend on him anymore as apostle. His work uh, as apostle also at Ephesus was finished. And so he, he wraps up his work among them with that declaration in the verses uh, 26 and 27. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, he, he says, um, you know, you're on your own here now, from now on. You're no longer under my apostolic care. I'm no longer responsible for you in Ephesus, but uh, you have your own office bearers, and, uh, and now you have to uh, go on without me. And then Paul follows with that exhortation yet to those uh, Ephesian elders who had come to him from Miletus. They're divinely appointed and as such are responsible for themselves and for the whole congregation, he says. And I preach to you this morning the apostolic charge to the elders of Christ's church. Three things come to the fore in that charge. First, the call to office. Secondly, the responsibility of office, and thirdly, the motivation in office. So first of all, the call to office. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, he says, the apostle says in the text. And then he adds those significant words, among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. And with those last words, he makes a very explicit statement about the calling to the office in the congregation. It's the Holy Spirit that calls to office. And that's not always uh, fully understood, even in the Church of God. There's sometimes the tendency today to think of election and appointment of elders as a kind of a, a democratic process. The congregation gives the consistory the names of men deemed suitable for office. Elections are held in which 
all confessing males receive the opportunity to vote, and then the men with a sufficient number of votes are appointed, and if there are no lawful objections, they are ordained to office, and that process might be seen by some as government, by the people, for the people. And then, if you think that way, then the uh, office bearer's authority comes from the people, and that he's also then responsible to the people. What happens then is that an, an elder, also a deacon's authority, is something that's more based on popularity than on anything else. The more popular, the more respect he receives then, too. The more votes in the first place, but also then the more respect. And then the opposite, too, the less popular, the less authoritative in his work. If you like an office bearer personally, you respect him. If you don't like him personally, you accord him less respect. And this way of thinking isn't just a danger for the members of a congregation, it's also a danger for the office bearers themselves, that they see the calling and authority of their office as a kind of a, a popularity thing. You say and you do what the people want. Your office then is a matter of pleasing the people who elected you. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, the offices in the church are not a matter of government by the people for the people. The Apostle Paul says plainly, clearly in the text, it's the Holy Spirit who makes men office bearers in the church. God himself gives men the office via the consistory and, and congregation, the council. The, the calling and appointment to office is actually from the Spirit himself. Of course, the Ephesian elders to whom the apostle was uh, talking in the text are most likely chosen with the help of the apostle Paul, then, too. However, the apostle tells him in the text that they didn't receive their office from him or from the people, but from the Holy Spirit. And he emphasizes that. Whatever involvement he as apostle or the council or the congregation of Ephesus had in the choosing of those office, uh, overseers, the... The fact is that they had been called and put in their office by the Spirit of God. Their office and the authority of their office came from God. And to emphasize that even more, Paul uses the word overseers in the text. A, a word literally means bishop. That word bishop or overseer is used here to imply the authority of office. That's why Paul uses that word, overseers. And he does... He, instead of elders, elders he uses in verse 17 for the same men. He wants to emphasize that this is an office with, with high authority, given by the Holy Spirit, by God himself. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's the same today. It's true that the church now uses this process of nomination and election and appointment in the selection of office bearers according to the church order, Every church even has its own specific regulations for the way in, in which it's all done. Still, when the elders are ordained at the end of the process and the, and the deacons, then it all has to take place in good order. And then we have to say on the basis of our text too and other passages throughout Scripture, it's God the Holy Spirit who puts them there. If no scriptural objections are brought forward, they're given the office by God himself, we can say. And you realize what that means for the congregation. 
the brothers who are put in office are to be respected because of that, because they have been put there by God. They're not just men approved by the majority of votes. They're men approved by God, the Holy Spirit. And then they may still have quite a number of character flaws and weaknesses, but as congregation, you still need to accept and respect them as overseers given by God. When they come to you in their capacity as elders or also as deacons, you receive them as men given by God so they can speak. Uh, so when they speak to you, you listen to them as men sent by God, ambassadors on behalf of God. And that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. They're ambassadors from God himself. He sends them to help you, to watch over you, to protect you, to give assistance to you, and that all on his behalf. It's as if it, it's coming from him himself. They're his ambassadors. And that's a beautiful thing. Imagine that there would be nobody who had the God-given task to warn you when you speak or act unbiblically. You might just go on without being officially warned. Imagine that you were sinking and, and needed help. There's people appointed by God, and they'll be sent to you on his behalf, under shepherds appointed by the chief shepherd to watch over your, your well-being. That's a wonderful thing, beautiful thing. And for the elders, the fact that they're placed in office by God, the Spirit himself, means that they're responsible to him for what they do in, in office. Not responsible to the people as such, but to God himself. They need to listen to him who put them in office. They're his ambassadors. Need to hear what he wants them to say. They have to listen to God himself as he speaks in his word have to measure what they say and do then, not by what people want or, or their own feelings as such, but by what God wants according to his word. That's what they have to strive for. And, the, and then there's comfort in that for them too. The Holy Spirit who gave them office doesn't leave them on their own, no. He puts the word of God in their hands and he promises to work in them and give them wisdom and assistance with their tasks through that word, too, with that word in hand. He gave them tools. He gave them office in the church of God. He'll also give them what they need for their office, his word, insight into that word. And that's the comfort that Paul wanted to give the Ephesian elders when he spoke to them in Miletus for the last time. They had their office from the Spirit. That means great responsibility, but it also means great comfort and encouragement for the brothers here today too since the spirit gives you your respective offices you can trust he'll provide what you need for your office as long as you hold in your hands the 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 word of grace his word of grace then too but what specifically is the responsibility of the brothers in office and that brings us to the second point of the sermon the responsibility of office in his charge to the Ephesian elders in the text, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul is then also explicit about the responsibility of office. And he, he says there, in verse 28, uh, Therefore take heed to yourselves and, and to all the flock 
among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, and then follows that responsibility to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. To shepherd. So, you know, first he says, take heed to yourselves. So there, there, actually there's two, those two responsibilities. Take heed to yourselves and shepherd. First, take heed. Office bearers have the responsibility in the first place to watch over themselves. And the words take heed may mean uh, pay strict attention to. Expression is often used in the Bible in connection with false teaching. Watch out. Watch out. Be careful. False teaching. Also with walk of life, with uh, one's actions. In order to be able to fulfill their task as shepherds who care for and feed the flock, the office bearers first have to be watchful of their own spiritual condition. An elder cannot guard the spiritual lives of others if he can't keep watch over his own soul, guard his own walk with God. And by the same token, how can a deacon manage the work of, of mercy if he isn't an empathetic person himself? Or if he is greedy? So office bearers are instructed to keep watch over their own spiritual condition, first of all. After all, Satan's first and sharpest attacks will be against them, the leadership in the church. He knows that if he can disable the shepherds, he can scatter the sheep. So office bearers need to pay strict attention to their own daily walk with God. They, of all people, need to be uh, searching the Scriptures, be busy with prayer. They, of all people, need to be watchful against pride, bitterness, indifference, greed, spiritual laziness in their own lives. And office bearers' sins, are, you, you realize, are always more serious in the eyes of, of other people. They reveal more hypocrisy than the, those sins reveal more hypocrisy than those of others because of the God-given position in the church. It's an awful thing when a man admonishes others against certain sins and then is found committing those same sins himself. That demoralizes the flock of anything does if they come to know that. That makes people cynical. No, the Lord doesn't require perfect office bearers. If that was the case, there wouldn't be anybody uh, suitable for office in the church. But he does want men who make it a point to fight against sin in themselves with the Bible in hand, who, who struggle to live out of God's grace in Christ themselves. Then there are men who understand others in their struggles too. They'll be able to direct to Christ all the time. And they, they know their own sinfulness. They'll be able to also be, be merciful to those who fall. And that's an office bearer's task then too, to point to Christ. And he can do that most effectively if he himself looks to Christ constantly too in his daily life. So elders and deacons will keep watch over yourselves in the first place. And in the second place, the apostle talks in the text about taking heed to all the flock, about shepherding the church of God. 
taking heed to all the flock. The apostle uses that familiar imagery in the Bible of shepherd and flock. The local church is like a flock of sheep which the shepherds are supposed to guard and feed and care for. Sheep need shepherds. Throughout the Bible, a flock without a shepherd is a sad, sad thing. Matthew 9, 36, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds in his days, they were, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Sheep need shepherds, period. An unguarded flock is in grave danger, will not stay together, is open to wolves, savage wolves. Paul speaks about that later on in the verses after our text. Men who lead the sheep astray with so conflict in the church of God. Wrong ideas. So the, the church needs office bearers to keep watch over the spiritual well-being of the people. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says that the elders are to keep watch over your souls as men who must give an account. They have to be attentive to the spiritual well-being of the people in the congregation. Both elders and deacons. Deacons' uh, task is not just material, but also spiritual. Show the love of God. They have to be constantly alert for dangers that, that attack that that's well-being of the flock. Elders have to make sure that, they know, that all know and abide by the word as the church has confessed it. Guard against sins creeping in the hearts and the lives of the church members. Not always an easy task and responsibility. Not always easy for an elder to deal with church members about unbiblical attitude or actions. Not easy for deacons either to, be, to need to uh, urge people to be merciful and to show mercy. People don't always want to accept that. But if a member is left alone, Things, other things can take over his or her life and that can affect the whole congregation. And that brings us to that little word, all, used by the apostle in the text. All, he says. Congregation, the office bearers are responsible for the well-being of all the flock. All. Not just their favorites in the flock are part of the flock, not just the young or the old ones. Take heed to all, also the less appealing ones, the good ones, as well as the ones that tend to stray more than the others, the ones that seem to be all right on their own, seem to be well, well balanced, as well as the ones that are not. All. No partiality, in other words. The same love and care for all. And that's not always easy either. One is more approachable than the other. One is a lot more prickly than the other. But the office bearers are responsible for all the flock, the whole flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. So congregation, office bearers too, it's an honor to be called to office by the Spirit of the Lord himself to be a shepherd. It's also a very serious responsibility for yourself to keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over yourself to keep up the good fight 
and continue in faith and obedience yourself. That's for the sake of the flock, but also as an example to, to all. It's a great responsibility to watch out for the flock, to sensitively guard the spiritual well-being of the members of the congregation. Office bearers are shepherds who have a serious task because they also have to give account to the chief shepherd or the souls under their care, but that's not meant to scare them or those under their care. It points to the joyful motivation in their work as elders and too. And that brings us to the third point, the motivation in office. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the apostle mentions very specifically the one thing that should joyfully motivate every elder uh, to work faithfully in his task and every deacon in his responsibility. And that motivation is mentioned in the last part of the text when the apostle describes the flock which the elders and uh, also the deacons we could add to are to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. They're looking after the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. See, the, then the, the people for whom the office bearers are responsible are not just a loose collection of people he, here uh, who they have to try to keep together on their own. No, this is, this is an assembly of people brought together by God himself and which God has bought then with his own blood. That's a very unique way of speaking here. It gives Jehovah's Witnesses a headache because they don't believe that Jesus is true God because it speaks in the text about God purchasing the church with his own blood. God purchased the church with his blood. He purchased, of course, with the blood of his only son. But you could technically say that God himself poured out his blood on Golgotha to save his people because Jesus Christ is true and eternal God. The point of putting it that way, as the apostle Paul did in the text, is to emphasize the incredibly high price paid for the church and to put emphasis on how dear the church is to God. You know, the price somebody pays for something demonstrates its value to that person. Well, God gave his only son as a sacrifice for the church. Christ died for the church. It was an immense price. No higher price could ever have been paid. And the conclusion has to be then how God must love the church. How dear she is to him. How valuable if he gave his blood for her to buy her, to purchase her. See, that's what should motivate office bearers in their work. You're entrusted, brothers, with what God considered so precious that he gave his blood, the blood of his only son, to pay for it. That, that's how you have to see the congregation, the whole congregation. People bought by Christ's blood. Lovingly bought with his blood. And now he's given you the task to take care of what's extremely dear to him, his church. You have, you'll have to give account to God for the care of what's most dear to his heart. That makes it a huge responsibility, almost a scary task, you'd think. But that's also a huge motivation to do 
your task to the best of your ability as, as elders, as deacons. The people you're supposed to take care of are not just this loose collection of people. They are people of promise. They are covenant people. They are God's people, people whom God in His grace has gathered and given His rich and eternal promises. That's what the church of God is, gathering of those who have received the sign and seal of God's covenant love in Jesus Christ on their foreheads too. They all belong to Him. They're His. They've been promised the forgiveness of sin and the daily renewal of their lives. And that gives you a lot of work to do then, to take care of those people. And if the people of the church have those promises, the office bearers can take encouragement too from knowing that they're not here working with these people on their own. Their task is not impossible, insurmountable, not at all, brothers, as long as you do your work in love for God and His church, as long as you come with the gospel, as long as you point the people to God in Christ every time again in your work as elders and as, as deacons, then they, they can expect, then you, you as office bearers can expect the help and grace of God too in all your work. Because your task, brothers, comes down to this. It comes down to this. You have the glorious responsibility to make the love of God real for His people. That's what you have to do when you're, you're on your home visit or when you comfort somebody who's sick or struggling, or when you admonish, or when you come with financial aid. You have to point out God's people. You have to point God's people to the love that God has for them, the care, and what that should mean for them. And God, the Holy Spirit, will do the rest. He works in all of this. As long as you bring that word, he, a, a word of mercy, He works in that. He's the one who works through that in the hearts. You can't change hearts. You need to bring the gospel, and then you can leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit. And that makes being an elder and also a deacon not only a, a big responsible task, but also a very glorious task and a very uh, joyful task. What a joy to be able to show God's love to those he loved so much he gave his blood for them. That's what your task boils down to. Pray to keep that task in focus all the time as you go about your work. There'll be a lot of things that, that uh, times that, that in your work you, you are distracted from that. Keep focused on that, that task. Show God's love to those he loved so much and who are dear to him. And congregation esteem the office bears highly because of that task. Brothers and sisters, esteem them for that. They're not here to spy on you, follow you around, watch out for you like the FBI, or take pleasures away from you or to demean you or something like that. They're men who have been given to you by the Spirit so that He can keep watch over you because God so loved you, He gave His Son for you. And they have the responsibility to point you to that awesome love of God for you every time again so that you remain in His love and so that you grow in that love to everlasting life and joy. Amen.